Welcome to the Pilot Podcast, where we watch the pilot episodes of TV shows to answer your question, should I watch this? My name is BJ. And my name is Me Too. And this week, we're checking out Stargirl on CW, Hightown on Stars, Snowpiercer on TNT, and Ultimate Tag on Fox. So stay tuned to the end to find out where BJ would sit on the train. First class. I know. You're a first class dime piece, Beach. Thank you for recognizing that. Yeah, of course. So how about we start with someone who is not living in luxury, but trying to find her way, and that's Courtney in the show Stargirl. Tell us what happened, Beach. Sure. So Stargirl is another CW television series, and this is joining CW's Arrowverse of DC superheroes. Those words mean a lot to some people and not a lot to others. Okay, that feels like a little bit of a dig. I know who Arrow is because he tweeted at Beyonce that one time. And I know who Flash is because we reviewed that show. So try again, Beach. I know what the Arrowverse is. So we're all set. Anyway, this series follows high school student Courtney Whitmore, played by Breck Bassinger, and she discovers the Cosmic Stab. And this allows her to join a new generation of superheroes who will become the Justice Society of America. And along the way, she's joined by her stepfather, Pat Dugan, also known as Stripesy, played by Luke Wilson, who will teach her about how to be a good superhero. So in this first episode, we start with a flashback 10 years prior. We see the original Justice Society of America fighting against the Injustice Society. With heroes like Wildcat, Dr. Midnight, Hourman, and Starman, they go against Brainwave, Solomon Grundy, and their allies. Unfortunately, the superheroes die, and it's up to Pat to find the next generation 10 years later. So me too. What did you think of this origin story for Courtney? I thought it was a good take on a classic youth superhero origin story. As someone who is extremely familiar with superhero stories, I have seen often that there is a young person who comes across their power in some way. Maybe a spider bites them. Maybe they find a magic rock, whatever it is. Or a young person who is now assigned the role superhero. And she is navigating, learning her new powers, and trying to manage this staff that seems to have a mind of its own while dealing with family dynamics. Her mom, played by Amy Smart, found and married Stripesy, and so she is getting used to a stepdad while dealing with bullies at school. Yeah, and all she wants to do is gymnastics, but there is no team anymore at her high school in Blue Valley, Nebraska. Could you imagine going from LA to Nebraska? I bet that's tough. Well, she clearly was not happy about it. (laughs) I mean, as a young person, I think in theory, you could live anywhere. But to change schools, to have your family dynamics shift when you were used to it being just you and your mom for a decade, and now you're going from what Stripesy's son or what Pat's son described as fat burger and in and out and the beach and son to a place that is just a wide expanse. In their eyes, Nebraska Hive don't come for me. I'm sure the Nebraska State Tourism Board would love to have you. So on Stripesy, we see him disrespected by everybody in they mama, including Starman, who he was the sidekick to. In my mind, that is the comedic relief of the show. How do you think Luke Wilson does in delivering that? I think they chose a good actor for that. He has good comedic timing and the character of Pat or Stripesy is a little goofy. 
very friendly and caring, but not the bold, heroic superhero type of character you would expect to be the lead. So it kind of makes sense that he is a supporting role. And I think they're trying to play in the comedy of him being really the assistant. He was the former, I think, driver of Starman because he's older than Starman. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of upgraded to being the guy who cleans his suit and drives people around and takes photos of the group. (laughs) See, it's making you laugh when I just describe it. It's just so funny, the notion of just being the guy who takes the picture of the superheroes. It's like, I was there behind the camera. But Luke Wilson is great. I actually just watched Legally Blonde last night. So thank you, VH1, for that back-to-back of Drag Race and Legally Blonde. She already meets her first villain in this episode. She is trying to tackle this staff. What do you think is coming next for Courtney? Well, we still need her to take on the name of Stargirl. Mm-hmm. So I think the next step is going to be undergoing some training with Pat. He will probably mentor her and teach her how to use the staff, maybe tell her more about what powers it has and enables for her. And he'll probably be the one to give her a costume. That'd be nice. I would love to see that as a B plot in the story. The A plot, of course, being her navigating life as a superhero, and she's the star of the show, and she's great as the star of the show. But I'm also excited to see their relationship develop. Pat doesn't just have to be comedic relief. He can be a responsible stepdad to her and her first real father figure. Yeah. But how long do you think they can keep this secret from her mother? Not long. And I wonder what is going on at her mom's job, because it feels really nice and mysterious. Yeah. She works for a, I believe, nonprofit called the American Dream. It sounds suspicious. That's an alarm bell name. Mm-hmm. So, Beach, are you excited to watch more episodes of DC's Stargirl on CW. I am. I was going to watch this whether or not we reviewed it. And so I'm going to continue watching seriously. How do you feel about it? I think that CW is really good at adapting superhero stories for people who are not familiar with them. So I'm all for it too. I'll watch it again casually. And I think it's a good summer watch to fill that void while all of the other superhero shows are gone for the summer. Perfect. You know another place people go for the summer? Where? P-Town or Provincetown, Massachusetts. They certainly do, Beach. So, I think you're talking about Hightown on Stars. And in this show, Monica Raymond plays a fisheries services agent named Jackie Quinones. And after a wild night, she finds the body of Sherry, played by Masha King. And Sherry was killed while trying to buy fentanyl. And the only witness on her side who saw who killed her is her newly sober friend, Krista, played by Crystal Lake Evans. So we're following Jackie as she is thrust into a murder and narcotics investigation while she's trying to get her life together. So it's definitely an intense thriller murder mystery series. And we see Jackie, or Jack, as she sometimes goes by, going on a wild ride in this first episode. Literally. So do you see her getting involved in solving this murder of Sherry to be kind of a wake-up call for her? Because lots of people are questioning her life choices when it comes to substance use. It's tough. The whole town knows her as this person who has issues with substance use. 
after she finds the body, one of the cops takes her aside and tells her not to go too crazy at carnival because she has just discovered a body. So perhaps a night of binge drinking and and hard drugs is not the best call. And so it's just a well-known thing, apparently, amongst her circles that she has this issue. With the wake-up call, I think that this is a classic procedural take of a cop or some sort of investigating figure who has a dark past, maybe their partner died, maybe a family member was sick and they weren't able to help them. And then now they're relying too heavily on drugs or alcohol or another vice. And this big case is going to be the one that pulls them out of it because they're going to concentrate all of their energy into finding out who done it. So despite stars dressing this up with a lot of curse words and nudity and drug usage, I think it's ultimately a classic crime procedural. So this will definitely be a wake up call. Yeah. And speaking of the crime procedural, we have people on both sides who are trying to get more information on this murder. We meet Detective Ray Abruzzo, played by James Badgedale, who is a stripper at a local strip club and also the baby mama of... Frankie Cueva Sr., played by Amari Nolasco, and he is a criminal who's in the know about what's going down in P-Town. Yes, so Ray is visiting Frankie in prison, trying to put pressure on him for information because he thinks that Frankie is behind Sherry's death. Ray is especially concerned about this because Sherry was his criminal informant. And then they both use Renee as a pawn between them, which was sad to me because I think they're trying to go for a classic good guy, bad guy with Ray and Frankie, where Ray has good intentions, even if he does bad things as his means to an end of justice. Like going into her home with the little child while she's asleep. Yes, I was shocked by that. I mean, not shocked, but I was really shaken by it. And Frankie, conversely, is selfishly driven, but obviously cares about his family. His son. About his son, specifically, (laughs) you write. And so to see both of them use this woman, Renee, as a pawn made me feel sad because Ray is asking Renee to get closer to Frankie so that he can use her as a CI to replace Sherry. And then Frankie wants Renee to get closer to Ray so he can keep up with the investigation. My only hope for this show with regard to Renee's trajectory is I hope that she is able to play both of them and come out on top and she and her son can leave P-Town and their mess behind. I would like that. Right? We could turn this into the Renee story, but it's very much the Jack story. Yes. So how do you feel about this star's take on a criminal procedural? You know, we talked about this a bit after watching the show and it feels like they just added a lot of hookups and drug use and partying at bars, that yes, it adds edge to this storyline, but it doesn't add much substance to the genre. I think you could have a cop or a law enforcement agent with substance use issues without having to portray it in the same way that they did for Jack. So I'm just wondering, will they add anything truly unique to this procedural? Or is this just a mature rated cop procedural. Yeah, it feels like the edge they wanted to bring was being edgy. Beach, what would you rate Stars's High Town? You know, I would rate this Wood Watch again casually. This is an hour long procedural, so a little lengthy, but 
like we said, despite Stars trying to add this edge, which we may or may not think is worth the addition, there is a solid murder mystery there. And I think they have a great cast of characters with interesting chemistry. There's also characters like Junior, who we didn't get to talk much about, but he seems like he's going to be a, a key player, being a friend of Jackie's. And we'll also get to see how Jackie handles her own inner demons. So I'm looking forward to seeing more. How do you feel? I agree. Speaking of Junior, you see her going from busting him for fishing lobster that he wasn't supposed to fish during the season as a fishery service agent. So you you go from her big bust of the day being illegal lobster fishing to actually finding a body and then to being a key part of a murder investigation because the tide washed away a lot of the evidence. So I think you you can't help but be interested in how that story develops. I would say, though, that if you don't have stars, this wouldn't be the show to get the subscription for. It is a straightforward crime procedural. So if you're interested in one of those and you have stars, go for it. Otherwise, I don't think it would be worth that premium cable subscription. That makes sense. You know what's not on premium cable but has a premium cable budget? Are you talking about Snowpiercer on TNT? You're absolutely right, I am, Beach. Wow, what a guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like we reviewed four shows and we shared in order which shows we were going to do next. So with Snowpiercer on TNT, this one is based on Bong Joon-ho's movie and a French graphic novel. Snowpiercer is set in 2021, seven years after the world became a frozen wasteland. And we follow this society of survivors who are on a perpetually moving train across the globe. This train is conceivably the only place you could survive. You can't survive outside of the train in the world. In this first episode, David Diggs plays Andre Layton, who is a taily or poor person in the tail of the train, who is the only remaining homicide detective, and he is called upon by Melanie Cavill, played by Jennifer Connelly, to solve a murder. Now he's torn between the opportunities of pleasing the ruling class of the train and helping improve life for his fellow tailies, all while finding out who done it. So, me too. Before we even get into this murder mystery, I have to ask you. Yes. If society went into a major war that destroyed the environment, mm -hmm. and then scientists wanted to reverse that by supercooling the planet and then accidentally freezing the planet, mm -hmm. do you agree with Mr. Wilford that the best solution is to ride on a train around the globe forever? Do I agree that the best solution is it? constantly moving train on a track that at some places we learn in the show is deteriorating mm -hmm. that will only fit a fraction of the population. Thousand and one cars. Yes. No, BJ. I don't <laughs> think this would come as a, as a surprise to you. I do not think that that is a great solution. But that is where we find ourselves in this story. And we see on the train that this is a clear allegory for class and it is um, an anti-capitalist tale. Bong Joon-ho is famous for those. Parasite having won Best Picture last year. So do you think that they tell that story well via television, this society on the train? I think a television series will give them a lot of opportunity to explore the kind of intricacies of this uh, social hierarchy on the train 
we learn very quickly that there are people who paid varying amounts for their tickets to be in the different classes from first class down to third class. And then we have the tailies who forced their way onto the train without a ticket. And I think over the course of a 10 episode series, I'd like for them to explore each class and each role, because even outside the classes, what about the service people? Mm -hmm. What about the brakemen, the enforcement team? So I think a TV series could work to explore a lot of these questions and really dive in with a deep dive. Joined at thepilotpodcast.com for the Pilot Pods deep dives into single episodes of TV shows. Great job, Beach. I picked that up right where you left it. You're a clever one. I agree, though. I The movie is so good that I was hesitant about a show. And this first episode was a little slow. But I was thinking the same as you, that they have an opportunity to show each car and the different classes. We see that when she is pulling him from the tail to closer to the front of the train to investigate this murder. And he gets to see more of society than he has seen in a long time. He is confronted with sunlight for the first time in who knows how long they have to prepare his eyes for it. Yeah, sunlight and a grilled cheese. He was spoiled that day. Spoiled. Though, to be honest, I made a grilled cheese this week because the Bon Appetit squad made a grilled cheese. And I may have been just as happy as David Diggs eating that grilled cheese and tomato soup. (laughs) But in any case, a show gives you an opportunity to explore that more. But it is missing the action-packed feeling that the movie Snowpiercer had. At no point during the movie are you at rest, whereas during the show, there were lulls. Interesting. So I haven't seen the movie. And we do see the tailies ready to rebel, and that's where we get any sense of action in this episode. But I'm also wondering, how are they going to incorporate this murder mystery into the series and use that as a means of meeting different classes, going to different cars, because all we really know is this is the second murder on the train. It seems to be a copycat or the same murderer from the first one. And Mr. Wilford is not happy. He does not want unrest on his train. And they've put someone to sleep for the murder who Melanie believes is innocent. And Melanie Cavill, I don't think I explained in the beginning, is the voice of the train and head of guest services. Mm -hmm. Quick shout out to Mike O'Malley, who plays Roche, the lead brakeman. I think he played a fun character, and I'll be interested to see how he leads his team and tries to recruit Leighton to work with them. I'm also Mike O'Malley Hive because my dad loves the show Yes, Dear. And so (laughs) we are big fans in my home. And I'm excited to see what he does, too. So, Beach, are you interested in more episodes of TNT's Snowpiercer? Kind of. I would rate this would watch again casually. I'm not going to kind of binge or rush through this series, but I've got a lot of downtime. So maybe I'll work my way through the season this summer. It's already been renewed for a second season. So that gives me even more to look forward to. What are you going to rate it? I'm going to give a very you rating. Mm-hmm. I don't think that this show is for me or the non-sci-fi hive. Mm-hmm. I would recommend the movie 
And I would recommend everyone have BJ update us about how the story progresses, because I am interested in learning who actually murdered this person. Did they murder the first person? But I don't think I'm going to sit through more hour-long episodes. I do plan to ask you for updates once you sit through said hour-long episodes. And you can email us at askthepilotpodcast at gmail.com if you want to receive those updates as well. Putting a lot of work on my plate. The BJ Snowpiercer newsletter. Anyway, let's transition to something that doesn't involve me working, but a lot of volunteers running around an obstacle course on the show Ultimate Tag on Fox. Tell us how it works, Beach. So this is executive produced by J.J. Watt and also hosted by his brothers, T.J. and Derek Watt. And on this obstacle course competition series, it's based around the classic game of tag. So it's involving contestants running through different indoor obstacles, and they are being chased by professional taggers who are trying to catch them. And these professional taggers range from parkour runners to free runners to bodybuilders and athletes, all with very big personalities. So in order to win the $10,000 prize, each of these contestants in groups of three have to compete through round one, where they play chase tag, round two, where they play dodge tag, round three, where they play dome or revenge tag, and then the final round, the ultimate showdown. So me too. What did you think of this heightened version of the classic game of tag? I love when shows take things that we played as kids and blow them up in ridiculous and tacky ways. And I use tacky (laughs) with all of the love in my heart. It is so fun to watch adults play a consequential game of tag that is made very difficult. The one thing I would say is that It feels like you need to be the fastest and the strongest, but also the luckiest because if the pro taggers hone in on you, the other contestants or your competitors are safe to keep running around. In the first round, and they seem to separate them by gender. So in the first round, when the three men were competing against each other, Juvie was just being targeted by the taggers. And there was a part where it looked like Naeem saw Juvie being targeted and just sort of walked by him like a cartoon almost, just slinking by to get to the other side and get a point. It's called strategy. Yes. The strategy of being lucky enough that they don't pay attention to you and they're just trying to go buy it quickly. Yeah, so that's a flaw in the first game of Chase Tag, where all three contestants are on the obstacle course at once and a pro tagger comes in and whoever the pro tagger targets, like you said, they have bad luck. And in the second game, when they play Dodge Tag, they have to dodge these two taggers to go press a button to get points. And it's the same thing. If all three contestants are running at the same time, the two taggers can't target everyone. So someone can take advantage of that and slip through. And it's tough that you have to do the same routes or the same activity over and over again. With American Ninja Warrior, for example, it's an incredibly difficult route, but you work different parts of your body as you do the different obstacles And then even in that show, The Rock did, it wore you down physically, but you didn't have to do as many laps. Not to compare those shows with tag, because with tag, you're running around and not like climbing things using your pinky. But you could see them becoming 
exhausted as they were just running the same circles over and over again. And that's hard to maintain when your setting is not changing, but you're having to keep moving. Yeah, it's definitely looked exhausting. You could see some of these people just like passing out when time was up because you have two minutes or less to sprint as much as you can and jump around, dodge, go under and over things. So it's high intensity. And it's really going to burn out even the top athletes that we saw. What did you think of the choice to not air all of the games in this episode? So for the third round, the men actually did dome tag and the women did revenge tag, but they just showed us a summary of the revenge tag match and said it happened at the same time as dome tag. So that's kind of why we got a recap. I also didn't understand separating them. I understand that they're trying to account for differences in bodies, but I would argue the bigger, stockier guys like Naeem and like Juvie were at a disadvantage versus the more lithe competitors who were just quicker on their feet. And it's interesting that they didn't incorporate that same separation with the professional taggers. Yes. They just chose whoever was ready to go. The professional taggers were fun, though. They all had catchphrases and their own names. It sounded like how on Real Housewives, they'll be like, don't write my name unless you're signing a check. Is that your catchphrase? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Don't take that, nobody. But it's like, I think one person was like, my name is Flame because you can't put me out or something like that. And so they all had like exciting intros. So it made you almost root for the taggers instead of the regular citizens trying to win money. Speaking of rooting for the taggers, one thing we should note is they had a live audience along with the Watt brothers hosting. But if you looked at the shots of the audience, they had signs like handmade signs for the pro taggers. Yeah. That seemed odd to me. I think that this is also a case of they're probably showing it out of order because when JJ, TJ, and Derek were talking about the different activities, they would say things like, that's the fastest tag we've seen in this game. But in theory, because it's the pilot episode, everything everyone did is the fastest or the strongest or yeah, the whatever is. This is all record breaking. <laughs> yeah. every When you're the first person in the room, you've officially broken a lot of records by existing. And so I was confused by that. And then when I saw the signs in the crowd, I was like, one, of course, people were probably handed signs by producers. Mm-hmm. But two, they've been able to build different fandoms because these were filmed in a different order than what we're seeing. Yeah, they probably filmed a batch of them in a day. And now they're just putting them together in the most interesting order. Exactly. Also, I like how they're so serious about this. There were referees with flags. Yes. I mean, one of the tags in my mind, I contested it until they had the tape. Yeah, they had to call it. They had to do a replay, make an official call. Mm -hmm. How did you feel about the brothers as hosts of the show? I think JJ did a good job. He did most of the talking. He's very funny. Yeah, he has a good personality. I think it was TJ who talked the least. And I think Derek did a fine job. Yeah, I wonder if they'll have different episodes where different brothers will shine. JJ has been on TV shows playing himself and playing other people and in movies. He's super funny, great performer, and is sharing this opportunity with his brothers so that they can shine or learn how to shine in this way as well. Yeah, they probably just need more time in front of the camera to get comfortable and open up. And speaking of opening up, I'm willing to open up my heart to each of those men. 
please don't tell me if they've said problematic things. I don't want to know. I'm just attracted to them. But any one of you actually call me. My calendar has been wide open since about mid-March. So are you cool with more episodes of Fox's Ultimate Tag? I am. You brought up American Ninja Warrior. That's a show that I watch occasionally if I happen to flip to the channel that it's on. And I think this show would be pretty similar. I would watch an episode while folding laundry or while cooking or cleaning. I think this is a good background show. It holds your interest, but from the way it's set up, you don't see the same contestants like going through a full season. So you won't really miss much if you miss a week. Are you going to invest more time in this Watt Brothers production? I'm right there with you. I think this was created to be a fun summer show for you to watch casually. You're flipping channels. You see it's on. You watch people do wild things with their bodies. You laugh at what the Watt brothers are saying, and then you have a great rest of your night. Well, Beach, tell our listeners where they can pin down more episodes of the Pilot Podcast. Well, our listeners can head to our website at thepilotpodcast.com, and they can subscribe to us on all of their favorite podcast platforms. You can also follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at The Pilot Pod. You can send thoughts, feelings, show suggestions, your ultimate tag strategies, and any gym class horror or success stories. I have many to exchange with you to askthepilotpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.